Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact podcast, episode 15. We're nonprofit people, we're social entrepreneurs, we're therapists, we're caretakers, we're parents, we're helpers. We're basically on a mission to change the entire freaking world. And one thing that that often means that's not cute is burnout. It's really hard to try and save the freaking world, you guys. And it takes a really large toll on our mental health. And usually because we are the helping type of people, we don't want to ask for help ourselves. And that's why today I got to sit down with the sweetest soul, Liv Mercer, for what will be two episodes coming at you all about helping your mental health. Not to mention, we're in a global pandemic. Politics are just effed. (laughs) Half of California is on fire. Like the world is just in a dumpster fire. And it's never been easier to just feel like all of that is on our shoulders. Like we're taking all of that in. And like we just kind of want to, I don't know, do you want to scream? Do you want to cry? Do you want to like just curl up in the covers? Whatever it is, it's so easy to get burned out. And I'm so excited that Liv and I got to sit down and do these episodes. So today we're going to talk all about burnout, how to prevent burnout, how to care for yourself in burnout. Where is that coming from for for you? You know, where are you finding your worth from in general, but especially these days and just how you can look at all of that a lot more healthy and productive for yourself because we've got to be taking care of ourselves, especially during these super, super crazy times. And I know that's really annoying. We're all kind of sick of hearing about the unprecedented times we're living in, but we are, and we have to take care of ourselves now more than ever. And then this episode was just so good. It was like two hours of recording with her. And so I decided to break it up again into two parts, kind of like we did with Sam Provenzano back in episodes eight and nine. And so later this week, I'll be releasing the second half of her episode, which is all about serotonin, dopamine, how to kind of get those natural like happiness drugs, happiness highs for yourself and taking care of your mental health that way, but also a very surprising study that she talks about, um, and not just one study, many, many scientific studies and research about the links of nutritional health and specifically gut health and your mental health. Uh, For example, I never knew that serotonin started in the gut started in the belly. I had no idea about that. And so we talk all about that. It was so good and so important. I decided to split it up into two episodes. So come back later this week and I will be releasing that either on Wednesday or Thursday. But for right now, for today, for this Monday, I hope that you take some time for this episode. I hope that you take some time for yourself. You're changing the world, my sweet friend, but you can also take a couple of minutes to take care of you and change 
your world and the things going on in your own head. So without further ado, Liv, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us about you, uh, some of your therapy journeys, and why you are so excited to talk to us today. Okay, so... My name is Liv Mercer and I am a collegiate mental health counselor. So what that essentially means is I work in the university system. So currently I am with Fresno State University. Before this, I was with Indiana University and before then I was with UW-La Crosse. So my goal is just to really be able to serve our students in terms of being able to gain mental health support services overall. and. That's in a variety of different ways with anxiety, depression, adjustment, stress, you know, kind of everything in between. So I've really focused my work on supporting the students, but certainly I feel like for myself as a counselor, I can't really take that hat off. And I take on that counselor role in a lot of my other relationships, you know, with my partner and friends and family. But I am Wisconsin born and raised and just recently moved across the country to California. So I did that during a pandemic, which was super crazy, um, and it's going to be probably even crazier for me to experience uh, a non-Midwestern winter, so I'm going to be interested to see what that's like, so that's a little bit about me. Oh, that'll be super interesting. I'm more just concerned about you being with all like the wildfires and everything kind of going on with COVID, but yeah, winter for sure. Yes. <laughs> no no yes. more snow for you. <laughs> no more snow. I can travel back to Wisconsin, um, get my taste of snow for the holidays, and then I get to like come back here where everybody's telling me, you know, like, Liv, it gets really cold. And I'm like, okay, so what's your cold? And they're like, well, it's like, you know, it high 40s low 50s I'm like oh well in Wisconsin when it's 32 degrees people are in shorts um, say, it's like in the 40s right now and I'm in just like a long sleeve and I'm like what a beautiful day <laughs> I know I know it's wild but luckily we are also in um you know, a pretty good location like so being in what's called the valley is we're pretty lucky here where a lot of natural things happen around us. So the wildfires are often, you know, 45, sometimes two hours or three, four hours away. So we will get that unhealthy air quality, but we're not usually having to worry here about the possibility of evacuating, which is really nice. Um, our earthquakes aren't too bad if we get earthquakes and we're not close enough to the ocean to get hurricanes. So I've luckily picked a location where it's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff happening around me. I don't have to be as worried about that. I can just be more worried about like weather and no snow. <laughs> <laughs> what a gift. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about this topic because I think every single day it just becomes more and more relevant to talk about burnout, how to prevent it, and how to just kind of give ourselves more like serotonin, dopamine hits <laughs> yes. um, in healthy ways. So first of all, I should have asked you this before we started recording, but have you taken the Enneagram test? I have taken the Enneagram test. What yes. are you? I'm so curious. So I am a two wing three. Um, <gasps> exactly yeah. <same>. Yes. Which, <laughs> honestly, when I took the Enneagram, I was like, holy cat's pajamas I've never felt like my brain's been so split open before and put in front of me um just I, like because obviously it's like I'm a counselor I'm a helper like I think a two makes sense but that three wing so I'm super close like almost had 
I'm like 0.5 or like one point off from being a three. So I was super, super close to it. Um, and that was interesting to me because I am so like organized and structured and like this go-getter perfectionist thing. And to notice that I was that on top of being a helper, I was like, okay, this makes so much sense because often it's like my eyes are bigger than my stomach when it comes to helping people. It's like, I want to go big or go home and I want to help people to almost sometimes the detriment of myself. So certainly burnout, I think is really important. Like not only talking about a two, but I think my, my wing three makes the desire to talk about this even more important. Mm-hmm. I'm so obsessed because I'm also a two wing three and it just, it makes so much sense when you start reading it, even like our downfalls. I'm like, okay. I was like, that makes sense. (laughs) Like the not cute parts of our personality. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's all there, which is why I feel like, you know, therapists, people in nonprofits, you know, all of these like helping impact careers typically are twos just because at our nature, we are helpers, you know, even if we are high achievers. And I mean, that's not saying everyone in nonprofits is a two, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think that we are more likely to get burnt out faster because, you know, we are so empathetic and it's like our heart is just out there to be like, please, can I help you? Like, do you need a ride to the airport? Do you need me to cook you a meal? Do you need a sweater? Do you want some coffee? Like how, how can we always be helping other people? And I think it burns us out so much faster. So do you think there's any truth to that? Or do we all just get burned out in very different ways? Um, So I've not personally done a ton of research on the Enneagram just in relationship to what's accurate, what's not accurate. I do know that there's a podcast. um, It's called Ologies. I don't know if you've heard it before. Um, and they do, it's like personality-ology, and there's like a personality psychologist on there who talks all about personality tests, and I don't believe they cover the Enneagram, but they do cover things like the Myers-Briggs and other personality-related tests, so I've listened to that before, highly recommend it, super interesting, um, but I, I do certainly think that even in talking with other therapists who I don't think are as as much of the the two wing three helper mentality that I think for twos, it's harder to set boundaries. And um, especially when we have that wing three to it, when you just, it's like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do as much as possible. I, you have that go-getter mentality. I think that really activates always doing more, doing more, doing more, especially with that helper mentality. Um, And I've talked with colleagues who have said, We'll just don't see that person so often. And that feels as a two so much different. I'm like, what? I can't, I can't do that. I need right. to see them. I need to help them. I need to do as much as possible. Um, so I think just knowing that about myself and knowing that that's a sentiment that's shared by some of my colleagues, not by others, and certainly by some people who I know aren't within the helping profession, uh, I would say I have no science to back it up. But I would guess that there would have to be something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, you know, because I think too, not always, but I think we tend to be friends with other very similar Enneatype, Enneagram type people. And a majority of my friends are also twos. And it's that really weird, like all of our conversations start to look the same of, I kind of want to do a little venting and these things are really hard, but also like, how are you? How can I be showing up like the best, like for you in this time? And I'm like, 
<laughs> and it makes me laugh because it's that like I need to vent, I need to get this off my chest, but also I want to be so respectful of your boundaries. But then it's our response to that is like, it's fine. I don't really have those boundaries. Like <laughs> bring it up. Yes. Yes. I I think boundaries that has been one of the biggest, most important things for me to learn in this profession. And it's always something where from a bird's eye view, I'm like, yeah. I need to put boundaries in. I need to do it right away. And you know, it's so freaking hard for me in the moment because my two is so activated all the time. It's setting boundaries because I just, I love helping people and I get, I know I get my worth from helping other people and being able to be that support. And so I think it's not only has it been important for me to recognize the importance of setting boundaries, but also the importance of knowing that's easier when I can also question where else do I get my worth? That's outside of helping people. That's outside of always being there. Like what is something that I can do just for me that also makes me feel worthy? And I know as a two, it's just, we're so naturally programmed to really seeing our worth as coming from what we can do for others. And so being able to really question that, and I think challenge each other to question that and see that has been really important and challenging and fruitful for me all at the same time. Um, but it's hard and it's definitely hard. I think in those dynamics with other twos as well. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What are some ways that anyone, not just our, our two friends, but how can anyone be a little bit better at setting boundaries? Like how can we start kind of mapping out, you know, those bits in our life? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that boundaries in general are, they're easiest to set beforehand, but often people aren't going to set boundaries until they're in the moment. And then that's when they're harder to set. So um, what I mean by that is you might tell somebody initially because you feel like you have the time for it. Like, yeah, call me whenever it's good. I'll answer my, I'll answer my emails or my, my phone at, you know, kind of any time of the night. And then you start engaging that pattern. And then when you realize it's too much, if you haven't set that boundary from the beginning, it's a lot hard. You're like pushing back on something that people are used to. It can be a lot harder, um, I think to set it in the moment. So I encourage people to question from more of that, like bird's eye view objective standpoint of, when have your boundaries been tested before? If you could have gone back at the beginning and done something different, what boundary would you have wanted to put in place then? And how can you challenge yourself to be able to not only do that in the moment, but also to be able to do that upfront? So um, it could be having like an auto response on your email that just does it for you and says, I, this account is not monitored 24 hours a day. I will respond within 24 to 48 business hours. So you know that that boundary is already there. But what's super important is that you also as a person have to respect your own boundaries too. And I think that's also really challenging as well as you might be able to put that in place with someone else. But if you're feeling that kind of dynamic of wanting to even push against your own boundary, especially with like that helping profession, we have to be able to step back and say, what is the consequence for me if I do this for myself and even for that dynamic with another person? And not only just like what's the consequence, but what is that in the, the long term too? And we're just such short term oriented people that we have to be able to really challenge ourselves to kind of toggle through the in the moment look, the bird's eye view look, the long-term look, and just really question what are we needing 
overall and how can current live help future live out? I don't, did that make sense? It did. I kind of like that idea too of like, how can I help out my future self and not sacrifice my current self? But something else that you said kind of sparked me a little bit. You were talking about how you find that you understand that you really get your worth from helping other people. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, also being a, again, a two wing three, like I definitely get my worth from there. And then also a little bit of those like little achievement, you know, blips, you know, like that kind of that gold star, that job well done. So how can people kind of look for it, even if that's not (laughs) where they find their worth from, I think identifying where our worth comes from can be really Mm -hmm. hard. So I want you to talk about that. And then also too, if we find that it's coming from helping other people, like how can we find other areas where we get Mm -hmm. worth that help Mm -hmm. us step back? Can you kind of talk through that? Sure. Sure. I mean, as a therapist, I will say, I think the most important thing is just insight and awareness. Um, Because so many people are just walking through this life kind of blind, like saying things like, I don't know why I do that. Or I don't know why that's not, why that's important to me. I don't know why it feels so uncomfortable when, you know, somebody doesn't say thank you or when somebody doesn't give me a pat on the job and give me a job well done. So I think it is really important that first and foremost, we as individuals really challenge ourselves to just question why. So if you're feeling uncomfortable or you're feeling like your boundaries being pushed or you're feeling like I'm really getting my worth from other people asking the question why and keep like continuing to ask why I always teach the strategy ask why five times Mm -hmm. so you can go from being on the surface of just I know that I really love helping people it's like well then asking why do you like helping people and then you answer it like well I I feel like it makes me feel good. Well, why does helping people make me feel good? And continuing to work to like really get underneath it because it's going to look different for everybody. Like that reason why our worth comes from somebody else. um, For one person, it could be because they felt like they weren't really deemed worthy in the relationship with a parent growing up. Um, Or they really believe in that and want to help because they never received that as a child. Like it's going to look different but having that insight and awareness as to why this thing is important for us is super helpful because we need to know when that's flaring up and really can then just question, is this helpful for me or is this not helpful for me? Um, meaning like if I know I really get my worth from other people and the reason why I do that is because i like hypothetically, let's say I really wanted to be acknowledged by so-and-so when I was growing up. If that's flaring up again and I can acknowledge, oh, this thing's flaring up, I can question how can I approach that relationship in a way that's not so bound closely to my baggage, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I will say being, being willing to question that, being willing to identify and acknowledge why we do things is super, super important because if we don't know why, we're just like throwing darts at a dartboard blind, trying to find these different strategies to help us without actually being able to throw a strategy at ourselves that we know can be helpful. Um, you know, so I think if you're acknowledging that the reason why you get your worth from another person is maybe some unresolved stuff from childhood, like being able to seek out therapy yourself can be really helpful. Um, being able to acknowledge how your current relationships are different. Um, I think also really as a helper, being able to detach 
detach things basically from like, if you're only believing it's worthy of something, if the other person also views it as being worthy and being helpful, then you're really making your worth contingent on how that other person feels. So it can be, what did, even if this other person disagrees with me, what do I feel like I'm proud of that I did during this interaction or during, during this thing? So um, also being able to not have that be so contingent on what other people think or on how other people feel and being able and willing to notice when that's coming up because it will and then being able to really just kind of question that from a different sort of a lens I think can be helpful did that answer your question yeah and that was so good I think minimum just that activity of the five levels of why or asking yourself five times I think that that was fantastic because I don't think a lot of people do that. They do just kind of go through and they're like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. And the other thing is I think people assume everyone also feels that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's like a, maybe for the thank you. It's like, well, everyone wants to hear thank you. Everyone needs to take that time. And to someone else, they might truly never think of it twice. So exactly uh, understanding exactly. that not everyone feels that same way I think is really important. Yeah. So, Aside from boundaries, setting boundaries, having them and having boundaries kind of be invaded, like where else does burnout come from? Uh, oh my goodness. So, so many places. And again, I think it's, it's so individualized. So what might Mm -hmm. burn me out might not be the same thing that burns you out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's, exactly what you brought up before this idea of us kind of going through life thinking that everybody like views life through the same ones that we do. It's really important that we challenge that because that's not the case. Um, you know, we all have different baggage. We all have different love languages. We all have different things that stress us out, different things that we want to avoid, different things that challenge us. Um, but we as people, we just like, we want that like validation. We want that normalization. We want to feel like a part of the group. And so if we kind of lead with that, that idea of like what burns out this other person should burn me out. And if that's not the case, that can be really challenging to sit with that discomfort of, well, I'm really burnt out about this project, but all my other coworkers aren't what's wrong with me. Um, well, the truth is, is nothing's wrong with you. You're an individual and we all have different stressors. And so that's why like when we think about burnout, we do have to think about it from this individualized lens and really be willing to question what does stress me out? Why does this stress me out? But question that through a very non-judgmental lens. And I want to bold print that, italicize that and make that as loud and big as possible, non-judgmental. Because Mm -hmm. if you're viewing this as, well, why does it burn me out in this very hypercritical way? That's just going to cause you more stress and burnout and distress because you're actually pissed at yourself for being burnt out about this thing rather than being open and saying, okay, why does it burn me out? And how can I use that information to be able to question how I can engage with life differently? Um, You know, so for me, what might burn me out might be seeing like four clients in a row And I know I have other colleagues who would rather see all of their people back to back and what burns them out is seeing people late into the night. Um, And so it's really, I think burnout in general is just like, it's when your gas tank is at empty or it's close to empty. And 
yes, everybody drives a car, but we're all going to different destinations. We are all kind of going different speeds. Like each of our cars kind of take different things. One might take diesel, one might take unleaded, one might take premium. Um, we all have different capacities, but it's ultimately, there are lots of different things that contribute to it. And it's when you're noticing that you're starting to get yourself closer to empty, you're, you're stressed out, you, and however stress looks because it looks different on every single person, um, you might have invaded your boundaries. You might have been asked to do more than you've been able to. You might have felt really challenged where you've been doing more work in one area that doesn't really cause you interest and it's taken away from other things in your life that you really care about. Maybe you've been doing that thing for too long. You know, there's so many different factors, but ultimately I think you have to be willing to question what burns me out and be able to non-judgmentally say, it's okay if that looks different for me than it does for my mom, my partner, my friend, my coworker. Mm -hmm. I think what you just said was wonderful, but you know, what's funny. Cause you, you said something else in there that triggered me. Um, love languages, right? Yes. People, you know, we give and receive love in all very different ways. And I think until someone sat down and actually kind of define those love languages, then we all got to look at it a lot more objectively and with a, a, a much kinder lens of like, oh, a hug means more to this person and taking out the trash means more to this person. And we were able to be like, oh, that's fine because they're just speaking mm -hmm. different. I feel like if we had like burnout languages, <laughs> mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I, I think people would be a lot kinder to themselves. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I'll say... Again, we just, we are so judgmental on ourselves. And that's the biggest thing is like, if you can challenge yourself to notice when you're being judgmental and just question like, what would it be like for me if I just approach this in a more empathetic way? I mean, you're not going to yell or berate another person if they say, hey, I'm really burned out because of this. You're going to help problem solve and support them. We need to operate that way towards ourselves too, because a lot of times we experience additional stress and additional burnout based on the way that we interpret ourselves and on the way that we treat ourselves too. Um, like there are people who can go, 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 go. And if that's not you, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not who you are. Um, you know, I'm somebody, I remember in grad school, I, I did like a little bit different of a program. It was very well designed for the working adult. And so we would go, super late on Thursdays. And then um, three weekends a semester, you would have like all night Friday, literally all day Saturday and part of the day on Sunday. That's what you did for classes. And I had the hardest time those weeks because I didn't have a weekend. And for me, what often does contribute to burnout is when I don't have enough ample time to feel like I'm engaging in self-care and engaging in other parts of my life that are not work, that are not school, that are not like doing all the things. Um, same, I get really burnt out if I have a weekend, quote unquote, have a weekend, but I've stuffed it to the brim with a lot of other stuff. Um, and there might be other people who are like, I get super energized when I stuff everything to the brim. That's not me and that's okay, but I have to recognize this is what contributes to burnout. So how can I take more of a preventative, proactive approach to the best of my ability to try and navigate and create a schedule and a life that works best for me and who I know I am? But I totally agree. I mean, it, it looks different on everybody. 
And it's, and everybody engages in burnout differently and everybody gets burnt out about different things, but that doesn't mean anything's wrong with us. We just have to acknowledge it and move forward with life with that information that we have. Yeah. I think that you should um, figure out the five burnout languages, write a book, make it a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> like I love the it. Next Gary Chapman. I love it. I love it. Can I ask, <laughs> can I ask you, Susan? Like, yeah. I know I shared what burned me out. Like what burns you out? Just, I feel like it would be helpful for your audience to kind of hear yeah. those differences or similarities. Honestly, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's not a fun answer for this because I am someone who can really go, go, go. Actually, no. Okay. As, as I'm talking it out, I'm thinking of it. I am someone who can go, go, go. Like my tank can run for a very long time before I Enneagram need to recharge. Three. The Enneagram yeah. 3 he lets me do that. And I think, and I actually, one thing you also said, I, I have been talking to myself quite negatively for a while through quarantine. And I was kind of like complaining about this with my mom because I was like, right now, so much has actually been taken off of my plate. And because like I lost my regular full-time job. And so now I'm just trying to build like my own business and do this thing. But I was like, I don't understand why I'm so exhausted. I was like, I used to be like, like doing Miss America, grad school, my full-time job, all these other, oh no, like all these other things and average like five, six hours of sleep a night. And I was like, and I was fine. I was golden. I was like, now I'm actually getting more self-care in with like more sleep, more whole meals, more whatever, but I'm somehow more exhausted. And my mom has to sit there and just remind me, she's like, yeah, cause that was also three years ago or that was mm-hmm. in college. She was like, you were just like a mm-hmm. younger person <laughs> with mm-hmm. more energy then. And to kind of just be kinder to that. But I think where my burnout comes from, because I can go for so long, I think it's when I go for so long without either like a pat on the back gold star, or if I keep doing things that are flopping. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if I keep doing things that look like they're failing or whatever, then I just kind of want, it just makes me want to throw my hands up and be like, then why am I doing any of this? And like wasting all this effort. Um, But I think if things are going well, and I'm watching progress happen, then I can keep going longer. Like that's Mm -hmm. dropping more gas in. I don't even Mm -hmm. know if that was a good answer to that, but I think, yeah, because once I fail enough times at enough things, then it's like, okay, I'm going to go into like a cocoon for like a week and I'm going to recharge and then I can come back and like try again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that even answered the question. No, it it didn't. I think think that that's um, super helpful for just an audience to hear in general, again, because that looks different than what stresses me out. And that's, that's a point I'm trying to make is your burnout doesn't need to look the same as anybody else's burnout. Um, but just being willing to question why, but I, I guess I would argue that it sounds like when you were questioning why before you were doing it in a fairly judgmental way, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. was probably just adding to the fuel. Um, for me, I know I did that same thing because I was super burnt out in my other job. And I remember being like, before I did this, I was a dance team coach and I was, you know, I was socializing and I was a therapist and I was this and I was that. And I remember just looking at it and noticing, like, I actually had a lot more support where I lived before, which added gas to my tank when I felt supported by other people. Um, and I was actually doing things that I was super passionate about. Mm. Um, and I, I'm less burnt out when I do things that I love and I care about, I can go and go and go. But if I'm asked to do things that I'm not interested in, 
um, if I have to go super long, I'm more burnt out. And I'm kind of hearing, you know, again, just all these different nuances, which I think is just really important for people to hear in general that it doesn't have to look the same. We just have to be willing to question it and possibly be willing to question it in an open, non-judgmental way. Yeah. I, well, that's when you keep saying like that, like stop talking to yourself judgmentally, like that conversation with myself was popping up where I just, I really do shame myself where I'm like, well, on the one hand, I'm, I'm sleeping and like taking care of myself and my body more than I ever have. And I was like, but I'm still exhausted. And when I ask myself why to that question, it's never a nice why. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, you are a, being a piece of shit right now. It's like, work harder. And then I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> how I'm supposed to have that conversation with myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. so you saying that, if that's helpful for someone listening. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it, we need that kinder inner dialogue, which is like, I think the number one hardest thing for people mm-hmm. to do. Because, you know, and this advice I think is so cliche, like, you know, talk to yourself the way you would your best friend, but we never do that inside of our own heads. No, like training it to do, do that is so hard. Running a business, working your nonprofit, or just simply making an impact takes a lot of energy, which means you need the drink of champions coffee. Specifically, you need Door County Coffee, a gourmet coffee roastery on a mission to bring you the best coffee on the planet. And that isn't hard when they only roast the top 2% of Arabica beans grown in the entire world. Try any of their medium or dark roasts, like my personal favorite, the Heroes Blend. Or you can try one of their almost 100 delicious flavors like Highlander Grog, Frosted Cinnamon Buns, or Vanilla Creme Brulee. They ship all across the country, so try your first pot today by going to DoorCountyCoffee.com and using the code IMPACT for 15% off your order. That's I-M-P-A-C-T for 15% off at DoorCountyCoffee.com. And get caffeinated today. So how do we get better at self-care that's not just a face mask and also just having a nicer dialogue with ourselves? Like what's something, I know that's very individualized to people, but what's something that we can do to fix both of those things? Yeah, yeah. I always say it's not what you do, it's why you do it. So if you are putting on a face mask because your friend Sally does it for self-care and she's not burnt out, like that's not going to help you. Um And so I think that also really promotes the fact that it's going to look different depending upon what you're needing. Sometimes I need like something more like energy-ish. Like I need to go like do a hard workout and basically like run my problems away. And then other times it's like, I need to have like a sad girl moment on my couch and literally do nothing. Um, But if we're filling the wrong gas up in our tank, it's not going to be helpful. Um, I really think the biggest thing with both of those things overall is just recognizing that we can't flip a switch. Um, And I literally just said this in my last session. So I was like, if you find that switch where we can go from like not being anxious, from being anxious to not being anxious or being stressed to not being stressed or taking care of ourselves to not taking care of ourselves, tell me when you find it let's write a book about it and let's never work another day again because we'll make so much money. Um, <laughs> I've never, I've literally, and I tell this to so many of my clients because it's true. Like you can't just go zero to 60 in one way or another. And so it's being able to just take very like intentional and incremental steps of 
So maybe you're finding yourself really wanting to just take an entire self-care day, but you can't find the time for it. Usually people engage in that kind of all or nothing thinking where if they don't have the exact amount of time they want, they totally just don't do it at all. I would challenge you to question, well, then what do you have time for? And what do you actually need in that moment? And you might not know it until you get there, but taking that very incremental intentional steps forward is really important. Um, and it's going to look different on everybody. I have to sit down and actually build that into my calendar um, or else I'm less likely to actually take it. Um, but I think that that's really important when it comes to self-care is just knowing that it's not what you do, it's why you do it. Um, and truly being able to recognize the value of even just like 10 intentional minutes. Um, you, most people are not aware that they have so much time throughout their day that they're not even paying attention to that could be more intentionally spent elsewhere. Or there's lots of things you do throughout your day that could be viewed as self-care if you changed the way you look at it or changed how you did it. Like if you took a really enjoyable shower instead of standing in there and like thinking about everything that you have to do when you get out of the shower, that's a radically different experience. It's still the same thing that you have to do one way or another. You're just approaching it differently. Mm -hmm. um, so I would encourage people to view that flexibly um, and just really intentionally overall. And I think the same thing goes for speaking nicer to yourself. You can't just flip the script. You can't go from thinking, oh, you can't do this because you know, you're a piece of shit to I like my shit don't stink. I'm amazing. <laughs> we like, we can't, that's, that's too much of a switch for our brains. So it's more like, how can you, even just a first start is how can you notice when you're talking negatively to yourself? And most people don't even want to notice it because it's so uncomfortable because when you notice it, you start noticing that it happens a lot more often, but that discomfort's super important because when you can notice that you're uncomfortable with it, that's when you want to change it. Um, and just being able to pause and question, usually using like less uh, targeted things, meaning like less like targeted at it being like positive or flipping the script and more just being like, okay, that's one way I can look at it. What's another way I could see it? If I were, um, if I were advising a friend on how they should feel about it, what would I say to them? Um, if this, and literally like actually define that friend, because that feels different too where I'm like, would I ever say this to, you know, my friend Tia? No, I would never tell Tia that she was a, a worthless piece of shit. Like I would build her up. Right. Um, but being able to acknowledge those differences just through like questioning it is usually going to feel more authentic than just being like, I need to go from saying this to myself to saying the complete opposite. But just recognizing and putting value in the fact that even if you just make a 1%, 10% difference, that is different than needing to flip it on its head. We can still place value in that. Mm -hmm. oh, I love that. So I think one more thing on this topic, do you think that it is becoming more normalized and more accepted in the workplace to take a mental health day? Or do we still have like a long way to go before that's kind of like an understood, hey, I'm taking this time for me because <laughs> I need it. I would say um, a resounding yes, just because I think like we have made radical strides as a society as to just how we view mental health in general. Mm -hmm. 
But I would still say that a caveat to that is that it really depends on who you work for. Um, you know, I just got off a call with one of my colleagues earlier this morning and she said the same thing about our work time. She's like, you can use that for like our sick time. You can use that for anything wellness related. She's like, so if you need a mental health day or if you just need like to press pause and you need to like do this thing, totally take your sick time. Um, and that was the first time I've ever actually had a colleague say that to me. Otherwise it's usually just been like pretty unspoken um, but I, I will say this, I think what still has a long way to go is how we personally feel about taking time off for mental health days. I'm a mental health counselor and I know I personally still struggle with it. Um, but that's, I also struggle taking sick times when I'm actually sick because I, and I bless COVID because I think COVID has done a great job for me in realizing like, it's actually not healthy for me to go there and try and push through it because of what I could do to other people. But before COVID, it was, unless I was literally on my deathbed, I would still work. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we still have a long way to go just in terms of breaking down our own stigmas. Um, but I do think as a society, things are moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Honestly. And I think that's a really funny thing to bring up as a silver lining to COVID is like, if you were sick and had that and you still showed up to a public place, it's like, okay, like you could be like infecting and killing a handful of other people. Stay home, take this time for you because you're all, I mean, cause in a weird roundabout way, like you're also helping other people and filling that mm -hmm. cup mm -hmm. when you stay home and take care of you. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. All right, friends, I am stopping the interview with Liv here. Like I said at the beginning, come back later this week for her bonus episode on serotonin, dopamine, and all of the fun love drugs uh, that make us happy and keep our mental health nice and strong and thriving. I thought today's episode was awesome. I hope that it provided some really insightful questions that you can be asking yourself and really doing that deep dive of why, why you're acting certain ways that you are and why certain things are burning you out and truly the best way to help yourself kind of bounce back from that. So I hope you found today's episode helpful and come back later this week for more wisdom with Liv Mercer. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friends, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.